As we enter February, spring is dawning on the horizon, and whilst we can look back on a challenging winter period from our, from our island's public health perspective, we can, I believe, look forward to the future with a sense of optimism. Despite the challenges we faced in December and January, with the identification and then the rapid spread of the new Omicron variant, people across our island once again, quite literally, rolled up their sleeves and did their bit to protect themselves, their loved ones and the wider community. We saw record numbers of vaccinations delivered in December, ensuring as many people as possible were protected from Omicron when it made its ways to our shores. And that Herculean effort to get jabs in arms paid off. We owe a debt of gratitude, I believe, to the vaccination team who made this possible. Thank you. 90% of the island's adult population have had two vaccine doses and 65% of the adult population have had a booster. The Omicron wave was the biggest we've seen since the start of the pandemic. At one point, we had almost 3,000 active cases on the island. But whilst Omicron spread more rapidly, it was generally milder and our immune systems were better prepared, thanks to many having had that vaccine protection. That is not to dismiss the impact of COVID. Whilst Omicron is generally mild for many, since the start of the pandemic, many people have been ill, and sadly some in the community have lost their lives. An element of risk, of course, continues, as we have been reminded this week with two further COVID-related deaths reported. Our sympathies are extended to the families. Nevertheless, with the Omicron wave, the number of deaths and severe illnesses have been significantly lower than those worrying days in early 2020 as COVID-19 took hold. I also recognise the impact of Omicron has had on businesses coming during the festive season on which so many hospitality providers depended. And I recognise the impact of the rapid spread has had on staffing with so many people having to isolate at the same time. I know there were pressures in keeping essential services running from making sure our hospitals and care homes could continue to ensuring supermarket shelves were stocked. Despite though having had our biggest COVID wave to date, the island weathered this storm without a lockdown. Schools remained open. Our health and care services continued to function. We moved to self-testing and reporting and we were able to reduce self-isolation times by allowing exit after two negative self-tests 24 hours apart, which cut isolation in half for many. The decisions that we made before Christmas in terms of moving to self-testing with lateral flow devices and reducing isolation and contact tracing requirements have led the way in terms of country responses to Omicron, and these measures were subsequently adopted by neighboring jurisdictions. I want to thank all of you for the manner in which you adapted to these changes and the responsible manner in which cases were reported and self-isolation undertaken. The community can once again take tremendous pride in what has been achieved. Much has been learnt since December and the onset of Omicron. There is a sense that the rapid spread of the virus and its relatively limited impact on health and care services and the low rates of severe illness and death represent the first real step in COVID-19 becoming a disease that is endemic. 
We must now build on this and set out a clear vision as to how the island will step away from the rules and regulations that have been necessary to control the virus over the past two years. We will move to once again being free to make our own decisions, informed by clear guidance, particularly for the most vulnerable in society. Move to once again being trusted to do the right thing at the right time and in the right way. And before I go into more detail, I'd like to hand over to our Director of Public Health, Dr. Henrietta Hewitt, who will cover what we mean when we talk about a disease being endemic and where we are currently with COVID-19. Dr. Hewitt. Thank you, Chief Minister. A disease is defined as endemic, and this is an infectious disease we're talking about now, when it's persistently present in a community at low to moderate levels. So this is not a situation where you're looking to eliminate the disease, you're accepting that it's going to be there and within that it may change over time. Some infectious diseases are seasonal like flu and some of the other cold viruses, others may not be and we're not quite sure how Covid will play out in that but we will expect to see variations from baseline and that would still be consistent with the endemic position. In terms of where we are with the current wave, um, obviously we've been analysing this week by week in our epidemiology report, which I expect many of you will have seen. And as Chief Minister indicated, we've come down from the very high levels um, to a level which is currently today, I think we've got 471 active cases and we had 65 new cases. So we are plateauing, and you can see that from the graphs and the trend line in the, the weekly report. And that's what we would expect. We wouldn't expect the fall to continue on the same trajectory. We expect it to plateau. We've seen that in South Africa. We're beginning to see it, or more than beginning to see it, in the UK. And that will continue to be the case while we have cases in the community and people who are susceptible. And that will depend on people's levels of immunity and their behaviours, the degree of mixing. So again, it may change, for example, festive periods, other holiday periods, um, cold weather versus warm weather, etc. So we won't expect to see one single level of this. It will continue to fluctuate, but it should be maintained at levels which we can live with as a community. Thank you, Chief Minister. Thank you, Dr Hewitt. In moving to an endemic approach, we must acknowledge that there will still continue to be challenges and there will still be times when we are faced with a degree of uncertainty and renewed threats. We must be prepared to deal with those effectively, efficiently and proportionately. In considering a move to an endemic approach, the right conditions for change must be present. The Council of Ministers consider there to be five key conditions. Firstly, our health services are operating normally. Secondly, vaccines remain available and effective. Thirdly, there are no new variants of concern that may lead to serious consequences for public health. Fourthly, the situation on the island is stable. And fifthly, the situation in the British Isles is stable. Subject to these five conditions being met, it is the intention of the Council of Ministers to return the island to normal life on Thursday, the 31st of March. This gives us time to ensure that as many people as possible are fully vaccinated. In particular, those who are clinically vulnerable now being offered a fourth vaccine dose and five to 11 year olds with certain health conditions who are now being offered the vaccine. 
This change in approach means accepting that the virus is present in our community for the long term. Whilst we will continue to monitor its spread to ensure we understand how it is affecting the island, we would not look to identify each and every case. We would treat COVID-19 in the same way as other communicable diseases, such as novovirus or flu. The core public health regulations will be suspended. Our core approach will shift to solely guidance and advice and not the force of law. Our daily reporting dashboard will, reduce, will be reduced and then removed. Our decisions and daily lives will no longer be linked to the number of cases on the island, although the impact on our health services will continue to be monitored. At our borders, there will be no travel restrictions and no public health checks on arrival. This is regardless of residency or vaccination status. People will be able to come and go freely from the 31st of March. The only requirement will be for travellers to complete a simple travel declaration form ahead of arrival on the island. This will be an interim measure as we transition to the new arrangements in case people need to be contacted in the event of a new threat emerging. This will be in place for the shortest time possible. The only potential restriction that will remain will be the UK's list of red countries. Currently, no countries feature in this list, but any UK restrictions would extend to the Isle of Man if a country were to be added. Generally, this would be due to a new variant of concern, as we saw with South African countries in December with the emergence of Omicron. Some changes to border restrictions in England recently announced by the UK government will come into force there on the 11th of February. This relates to non-vaccinated international arrivals, those aged under 18 and other matters. We are currently reviewing these changes and next week I hope to be in a position to announce any changes to our own border arrangements that will be in place ahead of full removal of restrictions on the 31st of March. As far as positive cases are concerned, on testing and where someone tests positive for COVID-19, they will still be encouraged to record their positive test for surveillance purposes and the advice will be to stay at home and rest as you would with other viral infections. If you are COVID positive, face coverings will be advised if you have to leave the house, but there will be no legal self-isolation requirements. This is about trusting people to be responsible and to do the right thing, as we tend to do with other communicable diseases such as flu. Contact tracing will cease, although people will be encouraged to notify their own close contacts and indeed their employer that they have tested positive. As has been the case throughout the pandemic, advice and guidance will be available to help people make informed decisions. Hands, face, space and fresh air will remain with us, as will the ability to self-test. I accept that these changes represent a significant shift after almost 24 months of COVID restrictions. I have no doubt that the vast majority in the community will welcome this move, but we must be mindful that there will be some who wish to be more cautious, particularly those who are more vulnerable to disease. We must all continue to be tolerant and understanding there are those who will continue to wear face coverings and keep their distance after the 31st of March, 
and we must respect this. We will ensure that appropriate guidance and bespoke advice is available for those most vulnerable in society, identifying those most at risk due to underlying health conditions, so that no one feels excluded or marginalized as a result of this new approach. Should any of the five conditions that I have listed change, we must be in a position to act quickly and proportionately if the situation warrants it. This could be due to a new variant of concern being identified that poses such a significant threat to public health that our health services once again come under significant and sustained pressure requiring government to act. Over the coming weeks, we will be preparing communications to fully explain these changes to everyone in our community. Today, we are publishing the revised approach I have set out, which will shortly be available online at gov.im forward slash COVID-19. The Council of Ministers will continue to monitor the situation and indeed will make an absolute final decision in March on whether the five conditions have been met and indeed whether they have changed. Throughout the pandemic, protecting our vital health and social care services has been paramount. As important as overall case numbers have been, it is the pressure on hospital beds and staffing numbers which have been a key barometer by which we have judged the severity of outbreaks and used to guide our response. Our vaccination programme has been of vital importance. And as I set out earlier, ensuring vaccines remain viable and effective is one of the key five conditions for change. COVID vaccination will remain a part of our lives. Now I'd like to invite Teresa Cope, Chief Executive of Manx Care, to talk a little about the current situation at Nobles Hospital and the wider health and care service and to provide an update on the vaccination programme. Teresa. Thank you, Chief Minister. So Manx Care continues to monitor on a daily basis both the patients that are in hospital with COVID-19 and also the number of staff absences which are due to our staff having COVID. Uh, and these are two key barometers that we use to maintain the sustainability of healthcare on the island. As of today, we currently have six patients in hospital with COVID-19 and our staff absence as a result of COVID-19 is around 2% of our staff. Over the last three weeks, we have seen the numbers of patients with COVID-19 in hospital stabilise and gradually reduce and the overall stay in hospital for those patients is less. These patients are generally less sick. So we are in support of the, of the plan. Um, and what I want to also outline today is our approach in terms of the wearing of masks. Manx Care has carefully considered the wearing of masks in the context of the island plan and moving down to level one. And whilst level one deems that wearing of face masks is recommended and not mandated, we are of the view that we need to take a cautious approach uh, to maintaining mask wearing in a health and social care setting in order to protect the most vulnerable individuals within our care. We will continue to closely review this position uh, with the ultimate aim and objective of being able to only use masks where we absolutely need to for clinical reasons or for those people who exercise personal choice. Fresh masks will be provided for all uh, individuals entering health and care settings. And whilst we are taking a cautious approach to reducing mask wearing, 
we are able to downgrade and allow additional visiting. So Manx Care will no longer require hospital visitors to pre-book their appointments or complete registration forms. This is to minimise the impact, but we do advise that people um, exercise caution around the numbers of visitors and also uh, take steps to ensure they undertake lateral flow testing uh, before they come to the hospital. This is um, signalling a new normal for health and care. The hospital continues to experience its usual seasonal pressures, uh, but it's important to stress this is not due to the number of COVID-19 patients in hospital at this time. Um, so I'd like to hand back over to the Chief Minister. That's great. Uh, thank you very much indeed, um, Theresa. So I think now we'll go straight to questions from the media. And first up, uh, I have uh, Meg Walker from 3FM. Good evening, Chief Minister. Um, you mentioned earlier about the COVID-19 daily dashboard being reduced and then eventually got rid of. Um, will there still be any way for people to access the figures as some people might feel a bit anxious or vulnerable and want to know what the current COVID situation on the island is? Well, we still have a weekly uh, report from um, Public Health, which will be able to give some um, indication uh, I think that when you move to a situation when there is no compulsory uh, reporting, um, when you are doing it for surveillance, there are, the figures um, become perhaps slightly less meaningful than where they were at a, in a situation where everything is being reported. But could I actually just hand over to Dr Hewitt, who produces that report, perhaps just to add a little bit more weight to the decision to move to that position. Thank you, Chief Minister. So yes, as Chief Minister has said, we will continue to publish the weekly report with all the data and the tables and the graphs and so on that it currently has. As I said, we look to be reaching an endemic position with a plateauing level, but as I also said, that plateau will not stay absolutely level. It's likely to go up and down. And therefore, I think one of the things, we, we know just how big an impact COVID has had on people's mental health and well-being. And I think part of that has been, you know, the fact that all of us have got a bit hooked up on numbers, maybe in the past, probably myself included. And I think we need to get away from sort of thinking, you know, it's three o'clock, I need to check. Because, yes, the numbers will change a little from day to day, week to week. The R number may go up a bit, down a bit. But that doesn't actually mean anything in terms of, you know, the risks to us. If we do see a sudden surge that looks like hyper-endemic, to use the phrase, or indeed an epidemic where it's gone up way beyond the levels we would expect, then obviously we will pick that up from the testing results as they come through and we would take action about it. But I think that doesn't need people to feel that they've got to still check a number every day. And it's probably going to be better for our well-being if we, we gradually stop that. Thank you. Great. Thanks, Henrietta. I think what I'm going to do is uh, give every uh, journalist present uh, a first bite at the cherry and then we'll um, come back uh, for second questions after. So I'll move straight on to um, Alex Wharton from BBC Isle of Man. Just on the Manx Care sort of policy here, from a clinical perspective, there does seem to be, or what remains to be, a separation between Manx Care's policy and government's policy. So for some people that may find that a bit odd, could you explain from a healthcare perspective why, why that is the case? Uh, Theresa, I think, uh, question for you. 
Yeah, I think it's, it's, it's a relevant question. It's one we've really carefully considered. We recognise in the short term there is a slight disconnect between the approach we are taking in the health and care setting as, a, uh, as opposed to the island setting. However, what I would say is we care for some very vulnerable individuals and it's about taking a proportionate and cautious approach initially just to in those early stages. But we absolutely do want to make sure we are only using face masks where it's clinically appropriate in time. But um, having carefully considered it and taken on board all of the advice from the professionals, we feel it's right to ensure that we keep that cautious approach just initially in those early stages and then downgrade as we move forward. Thank you. OK, thanks very much, uh, Alex. Uh, so we'll go uh, next to Jeff, uh, Sam Turton. Uh, thanks to my Chief Minister. I just wonder if we could um, say with the travel declarations, if people aren't submitting landing forms anymore and, for example, for travel on the boat, you don't you aren't required to produce photo ID. How is this going to be monitored in a way that can ensure people are still doing it? Well, throughout uh, the course of this um, pandemic, uh, Sam, we've had to put a lot of trust in individuals, um, particularly over the last uh, few months. It's clear to us that people are responsible in their approach. We have stated this is an interim measure that we are retaining for the time um, being and the purpose behind it is to give us uh, a, a relative knowledge of where people have um, come from in case uh, there is another uh, outbreak in uh, expectedly a foreign um, country from which we need to potentially react and will give us an ability to make a judgment potentially of how many people have arrived on the island um, from that location. But as I said, councillor ministers have been very careful to state that this is an interim um, measure and we will uh, continue to monitor that, monitor that situation um, accordingly. It is our intention. It will be a very, very quick uh, pro forma to um, complete um, and we will give more details as to what that'll look like in the coming weeks before the 31st of March. Thank you. Okay, thanks very much, Sam. And uh, Josh Stokes at ITV uh, Granada. Good evening, Chief Minister. Um, you talk about the right conditions to make changes, and one of those things is the situation in the British Isles being stable. Can you just elaborate on that a little bit? In your eyes, what more needs to happen in the British Isles in particular between now and March to make these changes? Well, I think we, we have determined um, today um, that these changes will uh, go ahead, subject to the situation uh, changing. I outlined the five conditions whereby we would look to uh, alter that um, decision. And uh, in terms of uh, you know, the UK's position, we, as you note, we said that that needs to be stable. Instability for us would be caused by uh, a change in terms of the impact of uh, COVID on, on public health either a, a significant escalations in hospitalizations or indeed deaths and or uh, primarily a new and emerging variant of concern that was having a significant change of impact on public health. And that, that would be primarily the foundation for us to want to now fundamentally change what I have announced um, this evening. So at this point, the British Isles is in a stable position in your mind? Yes, absolutely. They are, they, are, they are in a stable position. Uh, uh, they are coping um, with the variant. There is nothing to indicate 
uh, that, that we should be uh, anything less now than confident uh, about our position, the foundations that have been provided um, with the vaccine and the fact that we do not have any evidence that Omicron is likely to pose any greater threat um, to us moving forward at the current time. Thank you. Thank you very much indeed, Josh. And then uh, Rob Pritchard at Manx Radio. That's my Chief Minister. My first question is for the Director of Public Health, please. Well, that's uh, fine. I'd like to hand over then to uh, Henrietta. Thank you, Chief Minister. Good evening, Dr. Hewitt. Um, just with regards to this change to an endemic approach, um, how much were other clinical professionals on the island consulted on this, and are they completely on board with this decision? They were fully consulted through the clinical and public health group that is convened by the Department of Health and Social Care and which includes the medical director of Manx Care, who obviously is responsible for discussing and feeding back from his colleagues, and it contains members of DHSC and Cabinet Office as well. So all of that has been through the appropriate discussion process. So that was unanimous backing. Were there any disagreements? Not to my knowledge. In fact, Mrs Cope is confirming that there were no disagreements from clinicians. That's great. Thank you very much, Rob. Right, I'm going to uh, run through the pack again. Uh, Meg uh, Walker from 3FM, would you like a further question? Thank you. Um, what's going to happen in terms of government financial support for those missing work due to COVID after the 31st of March? Right, well, the Treasury Minister uh, has made no announcements regarding that. We are, for the time being, our schemes remain in place and any changes, uh, if we did we make any changes, uh, will be announced prior to the 31st um, of March. But at the present, those schemes remain in place. Thank you, Meg. Uh, Alex Watson at BBC. Hello again. Uh, yeah, I was just, you talked about how you would like to, or you have to be ready to make changes again, should another variant pop up like Omicron did rather suddenly. What is the contingency you have in place and how much of a deviation from those five factors would we have to see? You know, one factor, two, that kind of thing. Uh, well, there's, there, there's multiple factors that, that, are, that the council of ministers would have to take into um, consideration. And, uh, you know, I'm not going to be um, backed into a corner on any particular uh, change um, that, that would or, or change in terms of uh, material impact that would necessarily result in us. Uh, fundamentally altering our approach. I think the fact is, uh, Alex, you know, I think, first of all, COVID has not gone away. I mean, that's the first thing to recognise. We are moving to an endemic position um, in terms of our approach to COVID, the same position, in other words, broadly, as we would do with other uh, communicable diseases, flu, or no novovirus, um, etc. Um, but if the health situation changed, if COVID-19 changed again in terms of its significant impact on public health. We have the experience and expertise now to know how quickly um, to move into a situation whereby we can bring some control uh, and protect public health. But, you know, our, we should all, as I said before, be confident um, that the decision we are making has got solid foundations. Uh, as I said, 90% of the adult population now have their vaccines. There's a program still underway, particularly amongst the children and particularly amongst the immunosuppressed. Um, and we're trying to make sure by uh, announcing the date of the 31st of March that everybody who's in those categories gets that opportunity now to 
get their vaccine and so the island can adopt uh, the 31st of March with confidence that everybody has, who wants the vaccine, who needs the vaccine, has been given um, the, the appropriate chance to be as protected as, uh, as fully as possible when we open our, our borders on, on the 31st of March. Okay, thank thank you. you. Thank you very much indeed. Um, Sam uh, from Jeff, do you wish another question? Uh, yes, Mr. Khan. Just in terms of this, how do you feel about this yourself? Because obviously your predecessor have to stand there and make a lot of um, statements that people never would have wanted to make. But do you see this now as a lifting of two years of doom and gloom and opportunity for the island to recover in a very positive manner? Well, I think the foundations are in, in place. I've acknowledged um, during uh, my opening remarks some, some of the pain and suffering that, is, that has taken place. Uh, you know, we still have an independent review of what's happened, Sam, um, to come, and, and there will still be plenty of discussion. But yes, I think we are in a, in, in a positive um, place. You know, there is a lot to do. We recognise that, I think. You know, we discussed a lot of that in our island plan, particularly around uh, our economy. A lot of our businesses have had a uh, tough time. But you know, we, we are approaching the future um, with confidence. The 31st of March date is a, is a good date, I think, in terms of signalling the, the sort of spring, uh, spring coming upon us and also you know, a date that the island can look forward to as a sort of, I hope, the commencement of a new um, tourist season for the first time in two years. I hope to see many, many visitors to our shore. So yes, I think we've got a lot. Uh, a platform unemployment is at uh, its lowest now for, for 20 years and plus. Uh, as you know, um, you know, yes, apart from the domestic challenges, many other of our businesses are actually having a, uh, a have had a very positive um, time in the last um, two years. Some of the international facing businesses and the digital and financial services sector. So there's a lot to be positive about. You know, but there's a lot, lot for us to do. So we should be confident moving forward. Thanks, Sam. Um, Josh Stokes, ITV. Josh, do you want another go? Yes, please, Chief Minister. Uh, this one's probably more to Manx Care. Um, with these changes now coming into place, there will, there's obviously going to be a shift in, um, or will there be a shift in helping people who are suffering with long COVID? Um, what's your message to people who are currently suffering? And will Manx Care be doing more in the coming months to prioritise people who are still feeling the effects of the virus? Uh, yes, we will. Um, so we have currently... Um, had a business case through Treasury, working with the Department of Health and Social Care to provide a long COVID service. Um, so it's currently under development. We are currently scoping what that service looks like and we will be undertaking a listening exercise uh, for sufferers of long COVID, which is taking place next Wednesday uh, at 4 till 6 p.m. at the Palace Hotel. And that's to make sure as we plan to deliver this service, we have taken on board all of the feedback uh, from those who have been suffering and make sure the offer is tailored accordingly. Thank you. And uh, I think I think just again to, to emphasise there, Josh, I mean, you know, 31st of March uh, seems, a, seems a long time um, away, but, you know, one of the solid reasons why the council has gone for that date is to ensure that those uh, in our community, uh, potentially in a, in a children's cohort, or who are potentially more at risk from COVID than the general population, do get the proper opportunity to be fully protected or as protected as uh, possible as, uh, as, as we move forward. So I want to reassure everybody that... Uh, you know, we're making decisions uh, in, in the interests of the whole community, and I hope picking the dates, um, considering the whole 
uh, the interests, the greater interests of the whole community. So, um, Josh, and finally, Rob uh, Pritchard, would you like another question? Yes, thank you, Chief Minister. Again, this one is probably for Manx Care. Um, just, just a bit of clarity and apologies if this was mentioned just before, but you've already talked about visitation and mask wearing in care settings. I just want to know what Manx Care's policy would be on uh, positive cases. If someone has COVID, they may be uh, symptomatic or, or not, but uh, if someone does have COVID, can they still make their way into a hospital setting? And the same with care homes, for example, if there are COVID cases in care homes, could we see suspension of visits for example um we would we wouldn't want to suspend visiting um but we we would still encourage people to take lfts uh, before visiting vulnerable settings and if someone does test positive we would encourage them not to visit those settings just as a, a supplementary to that if the tracking of these cases is changing and obviously the, the, there are many residents out there who are incredibly responsible with this sort of thing yeah. but if the tracking isn't maybe as specific as it has been in the past mm. we've all heard from the, yourselves and government just how important it is to check the pressure on health settings yeah. how can you track it effectively if tracking system is voluntary to how, how how can you check just how bad it may get we hope it doesn't get there but just how much pressure this health service could could be under. Yeah. So what we do know is that the population have worked uh, very compliantly with us. So there is high degrees of compliance uh, with both testing and compliance with the guidance Manx Care have put in place around visiting. Um, you're right, there is always a risk as we move to this new plan. And that's partly the reason why we took that extra precaution of just leaving it a little bit longer before we stepped down the wearing of masks. In terms of how we take uh, the barometer and the test around staff absence and the number of COVID positive patients, we, we do keep in place our command structure. So we monitor this on a daily basis, several times a day, both the staff absence and the number of patients in hospital. Uh, we will keep our command structure in place, albeit slightly relaxed. We still have silver command meetings and an ability to feed up through to the DHSC and also to the government if we're coming under pressure. And you will have seen us describe our operational pressures um, in terms of levels. So we will report on any daily basis whether we are level one, which is business as usual, right through to level four, which is under severe pressure. Um, so we use that as our guide. That isn't always about COVID. That's just about the general level of pressure that we're seeing in our health and care system. But we use that as a barometer, both to inform DHSC and wider government about the pressures health and care settings are feeling. And that, that will be a daily process and will always continue. Thank you. Great. Uh, well, can I thank the press very much uh, for their time this evening? Indeed, can I thank you all for your time um, this evening? It would not be right to look towards the next chapter in our COVID journey without acknowledging the losses and sacrifices made by so many during the pandemic. It is an event that will be with us for the rest of our lives and talked about for generations to come. The cost has been great, and as we look to the future, we would do well not to forget the past, remembering those who have lost to this dreadful disease and the lasting pain and sense of loss many family and friends continue to feel. But despite the challenges and the heartache, the pandemic has also brought out the very best in us. We have seen our sense of community and commitment to each other shine, 
pulling together, caring for each other and doing the right things for the greater good. We should not assume, of course, that this pandemic has ended, nor that COVID may not yet have a sting in its tail, but the conditions are right to move forward with confidence. Despite the hurt and tragedy, the people of the Isle of Man can hold their heads high and look back, yes, with sorrow, but also with pride on what we have been through in the last two years. Thank you and good night. <laughs>